And I believe that you are all I need. And I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Hallelujah. I give you the glory and the praise, oh God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I want to sing this song one more time, but I wanted to say something before we, we continue. Um, we obviously practiced before service, and, and as I was in the prayer room, I was thinking of this song, and this week I've just been sort of congested, and uh, today I was, my head just had a lot of pressure in it and was just not feeling the greatest. Um, but as I was in the prayer room and began to think of this song, like we're singing about the healing power of God and we're singing that nothing is impossible for him. And so as I was in the prayer room, I was thinking, if I'm singing that, I'm singing it because I believe it today. And so I began to just say that in the prayer room. I began to sing this song again and I can say that my head has no more pressure. And I know it's something that's so simple, but it's just a sign that the Lord was showing me that he wants to heal today. If you believe it and if you sing it as you believe it, the Lord will heal you today. Nothing is impossible for him. I know many of us here have been examples of the power of God today. So as we begin to sing that, could we sing that in faith that he will heal, heal us today in Jesus' name? Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Nothing is impossible for you nothing is impossible for you nothing is impossible for you you hold my world in your hands and I believe that you're my healer <laughs> 
And I believe that you are all I need. And I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need, and nothing is impossible for you, nothing is impossible for you, nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I worship you. Hallelujah. There is none beside you. Jesus. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we magnify your name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we magnify your name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we magnify your name. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You deserve the glory and the honor and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship 
as we magnify your name you deserve the glory and the honor lord we lift our hands in worship as we magnify your name for you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else like you there is no one else like you for you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else like you there is no Hallelujah, hallelujah. Right there, can we continue to worship him? Jesus, we worship you today, Father. You are good to us, Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and we exalt you this morning, God. You are worthy, God, and I worship you today. I give you thanks this morning. I give you honor and praise, Jesus. You are a miracle worker today. There is nothing impossible with you today, Father. It is you that I thank today in Jesus' name. I'd like to call a couple ushers up front if I could, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this morning on the onset, the Lord's been really speaking to me just about believing. Just about believing because I remember a time in my life when I didn't believe. I didn't believe in God and I didn't believe in myself. And that disbelief caused me to always doubt. You know, when the song was singing about miracles, people would say, it's going to take a miracle for you to change. It's going to take a miracle. And what you're witnessing and what you're seeing today is only a miracle from God. People have seen me in the worst places in my life. And I, in my disbelief, I thought, I said this. I thought I would never see my family here in church. And today I have my son and his grandmother with me today. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful blessing to watch the Lord working, operating, and flowing. There is nothing impossible with God. Nothing. There is nothing impossible. But we have to believe. We have to have faith. We have to continue to pray for those that are not here yet. But he knows. People prayed for me. Brother Tim and Sister Sally prayed for me for 20 years, it feels like. 20 years I ran from God. I wanted nothing to do with the church until I got to a place that I was broken and I was hurt. And I said, something has to change. But I had to believe I had to believe. And there were still people that believed in me. Brother Tim and Sister Sally, they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. They seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. You know, and, and people today still see me today. And they say, it's not me. It's him. It's him that gets the honor and the glory. I'm just a testimony. Yes. I'm just a testimony of what he can do. Yes, he amen. can do for me. He can do for you. It doesn't matter what it is. The first song said he is a healer. 
He can heal you from addiction. He can heal you from depression. He can heal all the disease in your body. Because that's what he is. He's a healer. He's a healer. Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We give you thanks today, Lord. You are our healer today. You are our source today. You are our provider today. You are everything we need you to be, Jesus. And you are always, always on time. Hallelujah! Jesus, we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings this morning for your purpose, for your honor, and for your glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinners, wake up the saints, let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. There will be justice, all will be new, your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon, like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you, every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus. Come, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come like a bride. Oh, Jesus, like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you, every heart longing for our King. We sing. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. So we wait. So we wait. 
to the King of Kings this morning. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You're the reason that we have come. We exalt and magnify you, O God. We worship you. What a privilege to worship in your presence. What an honor to call on your name. We thank you for the work of your spirit that is already in operation here this morning. We magnify you, O God. We open our spirit unto you. We open our heart unto you, O Lord. That which we hunger for is found in you. We worship you today, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. You are worthy, Father. The scripture is very clear. States, he that cometh to the Lord must first first believe that he is 
must first believe that he is. Our human nature is such that if we have trusted and believed and our trust and belief, I'm not speaking of the Lord, I'm speaking of life. If along the journey in life we have trusted and believed and that trust and belief was broken, we begin knowingly or unknowingly, we begin building barriers of, we call them protection, right? I'm not going to, you're not going to fool me again. You're not going to hurt me again. You're not, I'm not going to let this happen again. So what happens is without even necessarily meaning to, it's our human defense mechanism. We build barriers to trust and belief. Does that make sense? We build barriers to trust and belief. And without even realizing it, we bring those barriers of trust and those barriers of belief into relationship with God. And when the Spirit of God and the Word of God begins to reach and deal with our heart and deal with our life and move in a manner where we recognize those barriers... Here's what happens. I know, I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost over here as we're worshiping this morning. I feel some of those bears. It's like, man, I, I want to trust what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm telling. That's what's happening across this room in different ones. I, I want to believe he can do anything. I, I, I want to trust that what's impossible he can do. I, 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 I want to believe, but I, I want to tell somebody, come on, would you just open your heart and your spirit and say, God, I don't know how, but I believe. By your grace, I'll press beyond the barriers that have been built in my life. No restrictions on you, God. No limits on you, God. You're God. I'm not. I believe. Help my unbelief. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I may not understand how. I may not see how. But you're God and I'm not. And I'm willing to put my hope in you. I'm willing afresh and anew to put my trust in you. Even so, Lord, come and work. I put the situation into your hands. I put the circumstance into your hands. You're a healer. You're a restorer. You're a deliverer. You make a way, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For some of you, your heart is filled with hunger. Your soul is filled with hunger, but barriers to trust and belief. You would just open your spirit and your heart to the Lord, to the Lord. It's between you and him, between you and the Lord. He can satisfy the hunger of the soul. He can fill the hunger of the soul. 
what your soul longs for is him. It's relationship and fellowship with him. What you're feeling here in this room this morning is the manifest presence of God, and it's the cry of your soul that's hungering for him to satisfy the hunger. If you would just be willing to release some barriers and say, Lord, however you will, it may just be saying, God, I'll open my heart. I'll open my spirit to you. I trust you. I'll be vulnerable in your presence. Come on. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to humiliate you. You can trust him. We can trust him. In Jesus' name, mine and your willingness to open our spirit today has a direct impact on what God can and will do in and with us today. A direct impact. In Jesus' name, praise God. You can be seated if you would like. I will dismiss the teachers this morning to the classrooms. Praise God. So wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you're a guest today, we are so thankful that you are here. I mean that. It's wonderful to have you here worshiping the Lord with us. It's great to see Inus again joining us today. It's great to have Joy and Sonia. So honored that you're here. Amen. It's good to have, I, I'm just going to call her grandma. That's how she introduced herself to me. Great to have her with us today. It's wonderful to have Jean here with us today. We're so honored that you would take the time to come into the presence of God and worship the Lord with us. And we pray that the Spirit of God would minister. This is our desire. Amen. And uh, you come once, we call you a guest. You come twice. We just figure you're getting ready to be a part of the family, whether you know it or not. Amen. I know it's broader than gathering in a church building. Uh, the scripture teaches no man comes except the spirit draws them. And the scripture teaches that the Lord sets members in the body as it pleases him. And so anytime the Lord brings someone spiritually I'm waiting on the Lord seeking after God going you're the one that builds the church you set members in the body as it pleases you he told the disciples when he was speaking of the sheepfold and the shepherd and that he was the way to enter in he wanted to make sure his disciples understood he said I have other sheep that are not yet in the fold them also I will bring and so we need a sensitivity to where the Spirit of the Lord would bring and add to his body. Amen. The Lord doesn't, I'm, I must, the Lord is not interested in creating church attenders. Amen. He's not interested in church attenders. I mean, he's thankful that we're here this morning. Don't get me wrong. He's building a church, not a building with four walls that you can count numbers. He's building a church, a group of people filled with his spirit, interconnected, interdependent, working in unity of the spirit, following the leading and the guiding of the spirit, each functioning in our part and in our place to fulfill the will and the work of God in the earth. Amen. This is what he's doing. 
And I want to be a part, don't you? Amen. We're going to dismiss children to their classrooms, ages 4 to 11. May God bless them and minister to their lives today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I didn't warn him, but it hasn't left me, so I'd like Brother Johnstone to come and take a minute or two or five or seven or he may greet you, he may exhort, I don't, I wanted to, and we'll just see where the Holy Ghost continues to lead us today. We all right with this? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Appreciate Brother Johnstone so very much. God is good all the time, isn't he? In the book of Matthew, um, when I retired from pastoring, this may sound a little crazy to you, but but when I retired from pastoring, Elder Hart had bought me a, a study Bible. And I spent my time in this last year simply reading for the fact of just reading. What I mean by that. My life as a pastor, everything was study. You got Wednesday night, you got Sunday morning, you got Bible says you. And so I was constantly in a mindset of the next message, the next Bible study, this and that. When I retired, it, uh-uh. I just want to know what the Word says. I just want to go real slow. Now, many of you know I didn't learn to read until later in years. I. Even in my Bible studies I teach today, I tell people, slow down, man, that's way too fast for me. Because we're reading right over <laughs> the important things God's trying to speak to us. So I, it took me over a year. But I would read, I would underline, and, and I would want the Lord to speak to me. I don't want to read for the sake of reading. I don't want to read because, oh, that's my duty. No, I'm reading because, God, I want you to talk to me. I want revelation, and I, and I want understanding to come. So as I got through that, I asked the Lord a few days ago, a week ago, I said, Lord, what book do you want me to read now? Where do you send it me? What would you bring revelation and understanding into my life in? And the Lord said, I want you to read the book of Matthew. And I began to read, and it was amazing the things God just began to unfold unto me that I'd never saw before in the Word of God. And, and, and so I, I've been super excited to get up in the morning, and what, what can I see next, and what would the Lord show me? One of the things that amazed me is the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus had ministered to his disciples, and he came down off of the mountain to the multitude of people. The first man that comes to Jesus to meet him is a leper. Now, we know that lepers were unclean, and they could not be around people uh, uh, because they were lepers, and it would spread very easily, and they would have to say unclean, unclean, unclean. And so the first man that Jesus meets is a leper. And he comes to him. And he said, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. I love what Jesus said, I will. Just two words, I will. What I never saw before was this. God was beginning to reveal himself to Israel in who he was. 
Because when Zerubbabel built the second temple, it was in that era that the Jews began to believe that when the Messiah come, lepers would be cleansed. So God doesn't do anything by accident. He said, no, we're going to get this started right away. And revelation is going to come of who I am. So I am going to heal this leper. And it would begin that, that the Messiah is now here and working in and among you. Now, to the Jews, they would recognize this. Do you realize that when the leper came and worshipped him, according to Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious world, that was idol worship? I thought it was interesting in Matthew chapter uh, 1 or chapter 2, when the Magi's came, were the very first ones to worship God. They were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. But the first one that came was a leper. That God let us know who he was. I think it's important to understand who he is. He's a miracle worker. He's a life transformer. He, he can take your life that you may feel is a mess. And I don't know which way to go and turn and turn it over to him. And he begins to lead us and to guide us and direct our path through his word. I want to encourage somebody, get in that word, pray, God, bring revelation, God, bring understanding. I want to see, I want to know, I want to understand what your will for my life is. As elder said, I don't want to go through the motions of coming to church. I don't want religion where we just do the same thing every day. We all go home. Hey, I've been to church and I've been around people who've done that. And then they go to the bar and then they go do drive-bys and then they go do other stuff. And you're going, really? I remember a man invited me to church before I came to God for a number of years. I never went to church with him. And I remember when I came to the Lord and committed my life truly to the Lord, he came to me. He said, Curtis, he said, I've invited you to church for years. Why didn't you come with me? That's before I got saved. I said, because we're going to the bar this afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Now, I'm a heathen, but I know enough of what's right and wrong in life. And what we're doing is wrong. And so where you're going is not helping you at all as far as living right and doing the right things. I believe that every person in here today, nobody has to tell you what's right or wrong. The Spirit of God, even if you're not saved, God dealt with me before I ever came to him on what was right and wrong. I want to do what's right in the sight of God. But I knew that when I committed my life to God, this lifestyle I was living would end right here. I would die out to sin, and I would no longer be going to those places and hanging around that crowd of people and doing those things. Why? Because there would be a conversion in my life. Thank God for that conversion. You ever see anybody take an old bus and make a motorhome out of it, school bus? There was a conversion that took place. God took an old raw sinner and started making a saint of God out of him, a child of God out of him. See, that's what God does. It doesn't happen overnight. One day at a time, God is working in my life and drawing me in patient and kind and merciful to you and I. We don't get there. Sometimes we want to fast forward. God's not in a hurry because he doesn't even own a clock, doesn't have a watch. 
You and I, go, 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 go. And he said, I got all the time in the world. We'll get this turned around. Aren't you glad that God is only going to work in your life in one thing at a time? He said, this one thing I do. Don't put pressure on you that God didn't put on you. Just say, God, what are you working on in my life today? This month, this year, what change do you want? And God, let me surrender to that change and allow that to come into my life and work with me. No pressure. He's not a God of pressure. This one thing I do. Let's just ask the Lord if there's one thing God would ask of you today that you would allow that to work in your life. It may be repentance. It may be surrender. It may be submission to him. It may be somewhere in getting into your word. It may be struggling in prayer. God, help me this year. This one thing I want to do is get a prayer life. I've never had one. I've struggled up and down. and, and all, But today, this is what I want, God. This is the one thing I feel you're dealing with my heart with. So I'm asking you, help me today, God. I can't do this on my own. It's not in talent. It's not in ability, Lord God. But simply by the leading and guiding of your spirit in my life that, Lord, I could become what you've called me to be, Lord. I pray help every one of us today, God, grow in grace and in knowledge, Lord God. Don't let us leave the same way we came into this building, but God, do a work of transformation in our life, God, that we thank you for all that you're working and all that you're doing today, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. I trust you're listening with your spirit this morning as the Holy Ghost is talking to us. I'd like us to read right where Brother John Stone referenced in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 1. Brother Johnstone mentioned that the Lord was coming off the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 8 and 1 says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Verse 2, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. This was a work of the Spirit of God. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke, chapter 19. That's the ver- I think that's a chapter I want. It is. Verse number 1. Luke 19 and 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, chief among the publicans means he was probably the head of the tax collectors. All right? Or at least a leader of them. 
Verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. I want you to notice something here in this simple verse. It does not say he sought to know Jesus, who he was. There is a distinct difference between desiring to see Jesus and desiring to know Jesus. He was at the place where he just wanted to see Jesus because he'd heard about him. And he could not for the press, a lot of people around him, because he, Zacchaeus, was a little of stature. He was short. Verse 4, so he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him because he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. Now, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I'm not sure. Zacchaeus wanted Jesus to see him. Anybody ever been there? We come to the Lord going, okay, I'd like some things from the Lord, but I'm not sure I want the Lord looking in and dealing with me. Lord, I'd like you to, I have a need, so I'm bringing this need to you, but I'm not wanting necessarily you to look in and begin to deal with me. Just my need I'm bringing. But the Lord saw Zacchaeus and said, Come down, I'm coming to your house. It is the desire of God to come to every one of our homes. And I don't necessarily mean the physical place where you live, but I'm talking about where you and I live every day of our life. Now, so I love his response. Response to God matters. Response to God matters. Verse 6, he made haste. He was obedient to the Lord. He made haste. He came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, look, there's always going to be people. There's always going to be people. When they saw it, they's the rest of the crowd that knew Zacchaeus, that knew he was the chief of publicans, that knew he was rich. When they saw it, they all murmured. They said, he's gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. I know what he's done. I know where he, he's rich because he took more than he should have from me. He collected taxes from me. There's probably those in the crowd. They murmured. Isn't it funny? Ironically, that people who have a relationship with God could ever fall into the trap of murmuring against someone that God's trying to establish a relationship with. God help me. God help me. Now stay with me. We're going somewhere. He was gone to be guest with a man that's a sinner. 
Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We read a very powerful passage of Scripture here, and what's interesting to me is what we don't see or hear, what we are not told. Because something happened between verse 7 and verse 8 that none of us know. None of us. Go back to verse 7, Brother Jerry. I want you to watch. See, we missed it because we just read over it. But I want you to realize something took place here. Verse 7, they all saw it. They saw Zacchaeus come down and Jesus getting ready to go to his house. They saw it. They murmured, this is gone to be. He's gone to be a guest with a man that's a sinner. So Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house with him. You with me? They're witnessing this happen. That's verse 7. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I'm giving half my goods to the poor. Anything I've taken by false accusation, I restore it four times. Hold on a minute. What in the world happened in his house? Something happened between verse 7 and verse 8. Can we agree with that? And, and we see some elements here. The Lord did not humiliate Zacchaeus. And see, there's this false idea that if God begins to reach and deal with me, he's going to humiliate me. No. He reached to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't realize what he needed until God came to his house. But something took place there where there was such a move of the Spirit of God in the exchange that took place that it transforms Zacchaeus' life, and we see an element of the nature of God manifest here. And this is why we're here going, where are we going? Here we are. Zacchaeus said, this is his first response that we see after God has been in his house. God robed in flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ has fellowshiped him in his home. His first response is, I'm going to restore my first response is, I'm going to restore. Understand, that is not the nature of Zacchaeus. That is not the character of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has been a man that has taken for himself. Zacchaeus has been a man that has looked out for himself. He's accumulated things for himself. He's always cared for self. But something happened when he came into the presence of God and God began to deal with his heart. His first response is to reveal the nature of God to restore. 
Now, I, I wanted to read what Brother Johnstone referenced because there's something buried there in those verses that he didn't read, but he referenced where the Lord prayed for the leper and said, I will be thou clean. If you go back and look, the first thing God did when he came off that certain on the mount, the Lord Jesus Christ restored a man that was unclean to a place of cleanness. Pray with me. Some of you are thinking too much. No, really, pray with me. We need the Spirit of the Lord to reach into our heart for what he wants to do here. The Lord is wanting to do and accomplish something in our midst, but we've got to allow the Spirit and Word to work in us. In the name of Jesus, we can do nothing without you, Lord. I trust your Word. I trust the operation of your Word and Spirit here. You know our frame, God. And so we yield to you this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord is a restorer. He restores. He can take that. We sang about it. It's been talked about. It's been a thread from the outset of worship till now. He is a restorer. He can take that which is impossible. Brother Martin talked about it when he received the offering how in the world could God take a riddled drug addict gang member on the streets in prison and utterly transform? What did God do? Did God say, well, I think I can work with him? No, I'll tell you what God did. God said, I can restore him. Now, some of us may sit here and go, what do you mean restore him? He was never what God has made him now. See, we have a false understanding of what it means when God says he'll restore God said, I can restore him to what I always intended him to be. What I saw him as when I formed him in his mother's womb. What I saw him as before I formed him in his mother's womb. See, when we think restore, we think restore back to whatever our best condition ever was. That's not how God thinks. God says, when I restore, I'm going to restore to the original intent and design of what I created. And when I created you, I created you with purpose. I created you with intent. I created you with design and destiny on your life. And so when I restore you, I will restore you to my intended purpose, not the best version of yourself that you think exists. And this is why we need a transformation in our thinking by the word and the spirit of God. Because we have this idea when we come to God. God, if you can just get me to this place. God's not trying to get you to some predetermined place that you've thought of. He's trying to take us to the place he's ordained from before you and I were ever thought of. He's trying to bring us to a place in him where his spirit flows without hindrance, where there is a purity of relationship that is never questioned, where there is a place without fear or favor of men, but we walk in the liberty and the authority of the love of God and the word of God, and we know who we are, because he has formed us and framed us and made us in his own image. 
This is why he said, following Zacchaeus' conversion, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. In the garden, what was lost was the pure, unadulterated relationship between God and man. And Jesus didn't say, I've come to seek and to save those which were lost. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to restore the relationship I've always intended with my creation. I want to restore a relationship where a man doesn't see himself as less than in my eyes. I want to restore a relationship where a woman doesn't see herself as damaged goods in relationship to me. I want to restore a relationship to where they understand they're my son, they're my daughter, my child. They understand I intend to use them, work in them and with them and through them that my death on the cross was to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. He is a restorer. He restored the leper. Brother Johnstone reference. It's an interesting choice of words. I love the word of God. It's so beautiful. It's so pure. It's so right. It's so exact. The very words used there in Matthew chapter 8 when he spoke of the leper that he cleansed. When he said, I will be thou clean. And immediately he was cleansed. That word clean and cleansed is a Greek word. I probably, I don't speak Greek so it would probably sound terrible. But it's a katharizo or katharizo or something like that. It's where we get the English word catharsis. You ever heard that word? Some of you are like, you're still talking Greek to me. Right? No, it's where we get the Greek word catharsis, and it means the same thing. Catharsis, it's a purification and a purging of emotions. Oh, I thought he was healing the natural man. Oh, what you saw in the natural man was just a reflection of what really happened in the spiritual man. Ooh, I felt that for somebody. You want to see transformation and healing in the natural? Let the Spirit of God reach in and let Him do a work in the spiritual. And when he reaches into the spirit, man, and he does a work, I'm telling you, something happens on the outside. Something begins to be transformed on the outside. What happened in Zacchaeus' house? I don't know. But I know the Spirit of God and the Word of God reached into a man's life that was a sinner. And when the Spirit of God dealt with him, we saw something manifested in the natural that was a result of a work of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the man Zacchaeus. And it began to manifest himself through his life. Did Zacchaeus become good? No, he was still the same old wretch. He just died to himself. And the goodness of God began to flow through his life. And the manifest nature of God began to be revealed through his life. The nature of restoration. It's the nature of God. It's the nature of God. It is the nature of God. It's not something God does. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's why the psalmist David said, he restores my soul. A soul can be restored. 
a soul that's been damaged and bruised and distraught and filled with sin and shame and guilt and wrong, a soul that's lost and destined for hell, it can be restored and brought. He restores my soul. We read in Joel chapter 2, beautiful passage of Scripture, the children of Israel have been beat down under armies of the world by God's design because they've disobeyed the word of God. They violated the plan of God. They've gone against the will of God. And so the scripture is very clear from the prophet Joel that the Lord sent great armies among them. And he calls them the army of the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, that I sent among you, the Lord said. But then he says, my people will never be ashamed. And he makes this declaration. I will restore to you the years that the palmer worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar, my great army that I said, he said, I'm going to restore the years to you. And you'll never be ashamed. Ashamed of what? Ashamed of all those years that were wasted. Ashamed of all the loss. Ashamed of all the failure. No, there's no shame when he restores. He restores new He is a restorer. When he touched that leper, he didn't just make him clean. He took away the shame of his leprosy. He took away the damage leprosy had done. I believe that with all of my heart. The Lord doesn't heal halfway. The Lord doesn't heal partially just so people see something that looks good. When the Lord Jesus touches a life and heals it, he heals completely, fully, wholly. So I believe when he touched that leper and said, I will be thou clean, that in that moment not only was the evidence of leprosy gone, I believe if he'd lost any body parts, they were replaced. I believe if there was a missing nose or ear or finger that in that moment of cleansing, when immediately he was cleansed, that every, every part was restored. God is a restorer. Catharsis, the leper. We've got to read this word. I, I didn't finish. The beauty of the word. Catharsis is the purification and the purging, watch, of emotions. Now, this is the word that Jesus used when he said, I will be thou clean. Purging and purification of your emotions. I thought we were dealing with the natural man here, the leper. Here's the thing. Leprosy came with a stigma. I was a leper. I was a drug addict. I was a fornicator. I was an idolater. I was a sinner. All comes with stigma. And the adversary loves to hold stigma over our head. Oh, you lift your hands and worship God now. Oh, yeah, he, he washed you in his blood in the waters of baptism. Of course, the adversary will never remind you of that. But you were washed in the blood in the waters of baptism. You were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The adversary didn't want you thinking about that. The stigma you once were. You once were. 
you once were. But when he said, I will be thou clean, he was purging the emotions of the leper. That way you feel about being a leper, I'm making you clean there. Before the natural, everybody's going to see it in the natural. But my desire for relationship with you goes deeper than just what people see in the natural. Because I can let people see stuff in the natural and inside still be burdened and bruised and broken and hurting and wounded and needing an answer from God. And so God says, I will be thou clean. I want to reach into the inner heart of man. I want to purge the emotions. I want to purge the spirit from anything and everything where the adversary would try to hold you captive against your will. When God says you're clean, he restores, he restores, he restores, and he always restores from the inside out. And that's exactly the word that Jesus used with this leper. What's interesting to me, I'm trying to finish this definition. What's interesting to me is it is the purging and purification emotions, particularly pity and fear. You don't understand how it feels to be a leper. I'm a leper. Oh, you might say it should be okay, but you were never a leper. Pity. Self-pity. That's one side of it. Here's the other side of it. If they ever find out I used to be a leper, they may not love me. If they know what I've done and where I've been, he may not love me anymore. And so when Jesus said to the leper, be thou clean, he was healing the inner man. And more than anything, any avenue the adversary would use to try to get him to have pity or fear. Why? Because if I pity, then it tells me I'm already saying he doesn't love me. And if I fear, it means I haven't received his love. Well, we're going somewhere I did not think we were going. Here we are. Fear is evidence that I haven't received his love. I know some of you are processing that. That's okay. How do I know this? The Word of God. The Word of God is certain. Perfect fear or perfect love. Sorry. Perfect love. So thankful some of you are already there ahead of me. Only place there's perfect love is in Him. Perfect love casts out. What does it cast out? What fear? Which fear? 
all fear. When Jesus comes to you and I and we receive the ministry of His Spirit and He begins to reach into our life, which He'll only do if we open our heart and spirit and allow Him to. He will not force Himself on anyone. But if I'll open my spirit and my heart and I'll allow Him to reach in and allow Him to love me. Pray with me for a minute. Come on, talk to the Lord. The Lord is wanting to do a work of healing in some lives today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I have to allow him to love me. Now, the challenge with that is if I'm dealing with self-pity and fear, there's this battle going on. You recognize it? There's this battle. And so what does he do? He reaches and touches my life. He begins to minister to me where I am, and it's him exampling his love for me. He's showing his love to me. I'm the manifest presence of God. I begin to feel overwhelm my life. What is it? It's the expression of his love. Why? Because he's trying to make me clean. He's wanting to restore my life to his original intent and purpose. Let's finish this definition. It's the purification and the purging of emotions, particularly pity and fear, through art or any extreme change. I don't know about the through art part. Any extreme change in emotion that results in, watch this, that results in renewal and restoration. That's what it results in. Restoration. Do you think the Lord Jesus knew what word he was using when he said to the leper, Be thou clean? I want to speak something into your life that when you hear it, you're concerned about the outside. Because the outside, this is him speaking to the leper, right? The outside is what everybody sees. Zacchaeus, I don't know what he said in his house, but the outside is what everybody saw. They saw a rich man. They saw his house. They saw how he treated and responded to people. In the leper, they, he saw the unclean. He saw, this is what everybody sees, and what everybody sees affects how I think about myself. And greater than that, it affects what I think God thinks about me. And I'll start believing a lie. That's how the adversary works, if I can get you to believe a lie. But when the Spirit of the Lord says, be clean, it restores. It restores. And we see it manifests in Zacchaeus' life because he begins to restore. Now, We sang the song, Nothing is Impossible. I 
I've had conversations just this weekend with individuals who have spoken about situations where they just don't know if there's any hope anymore. And I know that feeling. I understand that expression. God is able to take that which seems beyond repair and to restore it. Someone please hear me. He's able to take that which seems beyond repair and restore it. Remember, restore doesn't mean return it to its best pre-existing condition. Restore in the hands of God is to take it to the place of His original design and intent. We need God to change our thinking. It will change our prayer. Why? Because some would pray, God, heal my marriage. Restore my home. I'm not interested in Him if I'm praying that prayer. I'm not interested in Him just taking it to the best it's ever been. I want Him to take it to what He intends it to be according to His Word and His Spirit. God, restore my relationship with my child that's broken. I don't want it to just be as good as it's ever been. I want it to be all that He intends and desires it to be and ever ordained it to be. God, restore my relationship with my parent. I don't want it to just be the best it's ever been. I want it to be all that He intends and desires it to be. And when He restores, that's what He has in mind. We need a transformation of our thought by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Some of you, you need God to restore your health. You're here this morning, you're dealing with physical ailments in your body that you need God to restore. And you've had faith for it, but faith is waned. Maybe like that woman with the issue of blood we talked about a few weeks ago. Twelve years, she'd been wanting to be whole, and she spent all of her money, wasted all of her time and money on physicians, and was no better. Matter of fact, she was worse. It becomes hard to trust and believe that he could restore. But she had enough faith to get to him. And restoration took place. Would you stand with me this morning? Itabaye kotoroboshi arataya. Iarabashi toroboshi ata. He is a restorer. I know this message is not new for some of you, but I know what the Holy Ghost is saying clearly this morning. He's trying to provoke faith in somebody's life that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter the circumstances, God is able to restore. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's his very nature. It's, it's, it's innate in his being. He restores. Come on, would you just talk with him? I'm opening this altar to you today. I'm opening this altar to you. Would you respond to him in faith? Come on, would you respond to him in faith? Some of you have a relationship with God where you're thankful he, he changed your life. But Brother Johnstone said it. He keeps working progressively further and further and further. What is that? It's the continual restoring of my life. uh, until I'm to the place he fully intends from the very beginning. And so there's this ongoing work of his spirit and his word in my life. And somewhat, 
For many of you this morning, there is such a quickening of the Spirit of God that is saying, I will restore. I'm not talking about looking down the road 10 years or 20 years or 10 months. I feel the Holy Ghost in a clear way this morning. You know what you came in with. You know what you carry. The Lord knows. And I feel the voice of the Spirit of the Lord saying, I will restore. If you'll step in faith, if you'll open your spirit in faith, if you'll respond in faith, the desire and the design of God this morning is to restore a life, to restore a soul, to restore health, to restore joy, to restore salvation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, talk with him. Talk with him. Find someone where the Holy Ghost would lead you. Pray in faith today. Let the Spirit of God do a supernatural work. We've heard the word today, but it's God that does the work. It's the Spirit of God that does the work.
Hallelujah. Come on, we need to be praying in faith. If you're just in your pew there, you need to be either worshiping or praying in faith. There are miraculous things the Spirit of God is doing in individuals right now. There is restorative work of the Spirit that is taking place. God is removing stigmas from lives this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel the lies of the adversary being removed from people's minds today by the work of the Spirit of God. Come on, let faith out. Let faith out. Don't be afraid to open your heart. He's a God that loves you. He won't hurt you. Let faith out. Be willing to respond to him in faith. God, you can do what is needed. You can restore where it's broken. Be willing to have faith this morning.
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray in the name above every name that every lie of the adversary from past mistakes that is warred against the minds of the people of God, I command them to be loosed and destroyed by the word of the Lord, that there be a clean mind, pure thought, deliverance from the accusations of the adversary in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, there's a renewing of the mind taking place. There is a renovation, a renewing of the mind that is taking place. Itayama sotoromo sataha. Yei lirie mesuti elebeki ataha. Yei luriende yeki arabashito yomokoye. Isataye aramaye ataha. Hitamaye otoroboshi aralabakaha. Hitayamande yeki aralabasata. Hallelujah. Go ahead, let your voice out. There's some of you here, you're like, I'm.
Itamande yeki araramasuriataha. Iaramandolo siete ki araramasio. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Iaramaso. There is and will be evidence of his work. There is and will be evidence of his work. Not just a feeling. Not just a touch. Evidence. When Jesus said to the leper, be thou clean, there was evidence. With Zacchaeus, there was evidence. I remember when the Lord reached in and healed places in my life where I was burdened with stigma and emotion. And the indicator to me when I knew He has completely healed me is that when mention of those things would come up. I had no response. I had no. I didn't tighten up. I didn't withdraw. I didn't start guarding myself. I didn't. You understand? He healed me. He healed me. And it no longer affected. I was clean. I was made whole. This is what he does. Now, we need to see this. In Matthew 8 and in Luke 19. He said, you're clean. Now, go and show yourself to the priest. Right? And then in Luke 19... We know that a work took place. We talked about that between verse 7 and 8. But then we see an action from Zacchaeus after the result. You with me? Here's the point. After the Lord does a work, we have a responsibility to action. We have a responsibility to action. So I now walk in faith. Now the leper could have said, you know what, I think I'm clean. I don't know, I I don't want to go to the priest and risk that he could say I'm not. So he had action he had to engage in based on what the law was at that time. Zacchaeus could have said, thank God the Lord came to my house. Now I don't have to do anything about all that stuff. Oh, no, you got an opportunity to do something. And so there was action that followed the work of God in his life. So it will be with each one of us. And so as God has done something and for and in and with us today, I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Ghost reaching into minds. I, I was completely unaware, but I felt the Holy Ghost at, at the outset. But as we met and I watched, 
felt the Holy Ghost reaching in and pulling stigma off of minds today where you, you've thought a certain way about yourself, but God is saying, no longer. That's not how I view you. I want to heal that place in your mind so that you have clarity of thought. The adversary no longer has advantage over you. That's what he does. He heals the mind so there's no longer an advantage. The ad, because the adversary uses your mind as a place of advantage. If you think this way and you think contrary to the word of God, he'll use that avenue constantly. Aren't you thankful for his goodness today? Could we just thank him together before we go? Lord, we give you honor, glory, and praise that belongs to you and you alone. For it is you that does the work. It is you who cleanses. It is you who makes whole. It is you who restores. We worship you today, God. We praise you. We thank you. We rejoice in you, the God of our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You can't tell, but I'm containing myself. And the things I am witnessing, I believe many of you are witnessing the Holy Ghost this morning. I, I, my goodness. I, I'm containing myself because I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. That, but you've got to walk in faith now with what God has done. If you recognize, if you're here this morning, I don't, I don't want you to walk out of here and the adversary rob you of what God's done. So you walk out. I'm praying this word of God is sealed in your spirit. Sealed in my spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for opening your heart and spirit to him and his word. He's so very good to us. May the Lord bless you today. We'll see you here Thursday night. If we don't see you before, greet somebody. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.